Welcome to the Leadership Mindset Podcast with me, Tony Brooks, where we look to revolutionise your leadership mindset by changing how you think and see your world, enabling you to do the right things and grow significantly as a leader. So welcome back to the Leadership Mindset Podcast Series, and I'm really pleased today to have as the guest interviewee, Adam Harris. Now, Adam, Adam and I were just naturally, before we started actually, trying to work out how long we'd known each other, and reckon we'd known each other about six or seven years. I think we first met at the Nottingham City Business Club, and our paths have crossed uh, over the years, and at the moment, I'm, I'm, I'm close to Adam because we are um, both in the PSA, the Professional Speakers Association. Uh, in fact, so but Adam's got a range of responsibilities and positions. He is um, a Vistage ambassador for the UK. He is the PSA president in the East Midlands, which is where I'm getting to know him a lot better. And head of his own company, Fresh Mindset, in amongst a variety of other roles. Always, Adam always seems to be busy. Uh, he's worked his way up the business ladder from being a trolley boy and is now known as the introducer. So Adam helps business leaders to develop and leverage strategic networks for enhanced results. He's also the co-author of the Check-In Strategy Journal, a unique business tool to help owners, managers, and team leaders plan and deliver with that very important word, accountability. And Adam's gonna get a chance at the end just to um, give you some further insights into what he's doing currently. But I've always found Adam interesting company and I know that this interview is gonna bring a lot of interesting insights into how Adam, um, particularly focus on the mindset, how Adam keeps his mindset strong, but to give you some insights in how you can think, see and do differently in your leadership role. So welcome Adam. Thank you very much. <laughs> right, let's start off with um, a simple but quite a big question. So how do you keep yourself psychologically strong and lead yourself with the strongest mindset that you can, Adam, on an ongoing basis? So <clears throat> I think this is a really interesting question. And in a coaching role, when I'm working with individuals, I think a lot of the times we find that people suggest things and say, you need to do this and you need to do this and you need to do this. And actually what you've got to do is you've got to find out what's right for you finding something that's going to put you at the edge of your of your comfort zone um so what i've found and I've, I've had to tweak this over the years and i'm always sitting down on a quarterly basis and just kind of reviewing but a couple of things that are really important for me uh i, I meditate quite frequently uh so i use meditation to go to sleep so what that does for me it allows me to calm down I suffered probably about six years ago, I had sleep apnea. So I'm not sure if you're aware of sleep apnea, but basically what happens is, is that whilst you're sleeping, you, sh you struggle for breath and actually stop breathing. So the amount of sleep that you get actually is restricted. And you don't necessarily know this, people that snore think it's just snoring, but actually it's sleep apnea. I tried a number of things and actually what I came to was actually the meditation allowed me to go into a, into a deeper relaxation. So literally my habit and my routine every single night is I get into bed, I put my earphones in, I put my phone onto uh, aeroplane mode and put a guided meditation on and literally wherever I am, within five minutes, I've gone into a very deep sleep and I sleep through. So meditation is the first one at night. I also meditate in the morning. So I typically tend to wake up uh, and do about 10 minutes of meditation in the morning. What I find with that is it just gets me in the right frame of mind so I'm setting the intentions for the day 
just anything that's just running through my head uh, just get to the stage of just kind of blocking it out so that I then start the day kind of refreshed there are occasions life you know I've got two kids uh, things happen even if it's the case that I just do it for for two three minutes just going through some deep breathing etc uh, I think one of the things with meditation is is that you think that you need to be doing it for a long period of time or you need to follow an app actually just stopping and breathing uh, for 16 seconds eight in eight out is enough to just calm the body and the mind to get to the stage you go from there yeah we had somebody on the the last PSA meeting who was helping us with with that form of breathing as well and uh, it's interesting you hearing you sorry just to interrupt for a second just wanted to ask a couple of questions yeah. around some of that Adam um, yeah it's interesting actually I, the, the breathing technique's good because I was in a very stressful situation personally at an airport a couple of months back and rather than getting to a flap I just thought okay concentrate on your breathing just for a second just to ground yourself and it was really helpful because it stopped me going into more of a, a sort of panic mode or anxiety mode I guess um, but I want, just wanted to ask you a couple of questions on the meditation then yeah. I'm fascinated to hear you talk about that um, one of my friends has sleep apnea so I, I, you've all, already given me a thought that I might talk to him about uh, using that method anyway but you do a, a meditation when you go to sleep and yep. you do one in the morning do you ever do I mean must admit I, I do morning meditation but do you ever do what I, I guess I'm going to call tactical meditation so if you've got something that's bugging you during the day or a problem or a challenge do you ever think I'm going to just disengage and meditate for a while or do, do you use I'll, it in that way as well so I'll, I wouldn't say I'll probably consciously do it yeah but I think there's definitely something that's subconscious there in the fact that just kind of stopping and allowing just kind of things to to kind of settle uh I noticed probably for a good, you know, probably from the age of about 16, probably only up until about three or four years ago, I seemed to be running at a very high pace. So I was always kind of in, you know, four and a half gear or fifth gear and just always doing stuff. So I get to the end of the day and almost my kind of my body and my mind would go and relax. And actually what I found is, is that with my diary management now, not just from a daily perspective, but also from a weekly perspective, is just blocking out various bits of time, just yeah, not, yeah. Not, um, not having one-to-ones or meetings simultaneously after each other. It's yeah, just yeah. giving some space. And, yeah. and whilst that's not necessarily consciously, I'm gonna meditate, what it is is it's allowing just kind of, you know, for one thing to kind of stop, and allow that to kind of just you know just disseminate down before you then kind of go into the next thing. It's amazing the amount of times that I go into companies and they're literally just going from one meeting to another to yeah, another yeah. to another. Yeah, yeah. And you know they get to the end of the day and they they perceive I've done nothing today apart from being in meetings. And actually sometimes you just need that time to stop and take that step back and just have a level of, re- of reflection. Yeah, we need to pause and be quiet to Absolutely. be to be crea- creative. I know creativity is such an important thing for you. And uh, yeah, you know, funnily enough, Adam, you're talking about that. I remember I got really busy about three or four years ago. Uh, and it's all, it can happen to you almost unconsciously, can't it? You just keep taking things on. And I was putting things in my diary, basically moving from one thing to another. And, and I realised I had to cease doing that. So, so um, let me just pick you up on that because uh, the B word... I'm not going to say yeah. it because I've actually I've actually banned it from my from my diary. Um, one of the of the other Vistis chairs that I work very closely with, we co-chair a, a mastermind group together. He says, "Why do you keep using that word?" 
I was like, well, it's because I'm. He's like, no, you have a choice. You have a choice to decide the things that you do. Now, I'm not saying for everybody, but for the majority of people, you know, B-U-S-Y, <laughs> there's a negative connotation with regards to, you know, the, the psychological weight of, of being in that, in that presence or being in that moment. And actually, you don't have to be like that. You, you can choose to go, actually, do you know what? I decide to do that. And actually, more importantly, I decide not to do that. And I think actually some of the things that we've got to we've got to look at is, and I often do this with my coaching, is say, right, okay, what are the things that you need to stop doing? Delegate and elevate yourself. Because if you're always doing the same stuff, you're not actually pushing, moving forward. You know, it, and it kind of goes on to one of the things I often say when I'm working, especially with kind of senior leaders, but especially the next level down or the level down after that is, your sole responsibility is to make yourself redundant. Because by making yourself redundant within your role, and whatever role that is, is you found a better and more effective way of doing something. Whether that be automation, you know, and the amount of stuff that's around at the moment with kind of apps and AI and pieces of software, at literally pence per day or, or per week. Or outsourcing some of the skill set to other people or you know actually elevating people within the organization to give you that space to work on that stuff that's creative where you're going to add the most amount of value There's, there seems to be a, um, a fear about letting go I'm the only one that can do this well actually what you've done has got you to where you're at but actually if you want to push forward and not everybody does but actually creating some more to creating that space to go actually did you know what I don't have an agenda other than do what I want to do. And I'm, I'm working with, uh, with four CEOs at the moment that are actually in that space is that they're just, you know, some of them at various different levels, but they don't actually have anything huge amount to do per day, which is giving them the chance to just try to take that step back, look at, an all, look at the organization, look at the trends in the market. We were speaking before about, you know, the impact of Brexit having conversations with other people from differing sectors to go, how and what is it I can take from them to then bring back into my organization? So it's, for me, actually, a large part of anything that we do is about creating space with no agenda. Yeah, no, really relate to that a lot. And I think, as you said, actually, leaders, the leaders listening to the podcast today and leaders you and I work with, it is about, and, and there's an element of ego about letting go, isn't there, which is challenging, Adam, yeah. And, um, but I think to allow leaders to really have the biggest impact that they can and to advance themselves, advance their companies, advance their people, it needs them to make themselves redundant to a great extent in what they're doing at the minute. Um, to free up time to be creative and so yeah I really really relate to what you're saying there so we were talking about habits then and I'm sorry I sent you off at a time we said we got off at tangents didn't we Adam and um, we've already talked about one B word busy and the other B word Brexit they may come back up again Uh, but yeah you were talking about some habits you talk about meditation morning evening work was a, a big part of your strategy for keeping you psychologically strong what else would you add into the mix then so the the other thing I the other thing I do is I journal every day. Okay. So, and it, it's no surprise that I kind of created and, you know, the check-in journal, www.checkinjournal.com. Um, <laughs> the, so the reason, why I, the reason why I wrote it is what I was finding, not just for myself, but working with, with coaches, was when you're working in a, in a one-to-one basis is you have some great conversations and there's then the accountability piece. 
And what then happens is you, you commit to doing something. Now, not everybody will follow through because as soon as you walk out of a, of a one-to-one coaching session or a mastermind group or an event that you've gone to, you know, you turn your phone back on either in that moment or the next day or go back into the office and all of a sudden stuff comes through. So for me, it was a case of, right, okay, what is there out there that can maintain it on a, on a drip-by-drip basis? You know, you know, you, you, I studied quite a bit with regards to habits and some people say it takes 30 days, some people say, say it takes 48 days. I think actually it's different for everybody. Um, some people are naturally able to commit to something and other people, you know, they'll find the easiest way to get out of it. And the reason for that is fundamentally we're lazy because our bodies and our minds will take the path of least resistance. So it's about creating the habits that are gonna work for you. So what I find is, is that by actually setting the intention on the day, both from, uh, and we've coined it within our book, Review Preview, but just taking even three to five minutes, okay, let me just reflect on what have I got to do today? What's the one thing that is the most important thing that by doing that, everything else then becomes easier? Uh, and it's kind of, you know, ties into the uh, to one of the books that we researched, uh, The One Thing by Gary Keller, the concept around, you know, how do you eat an elephant one, one bite at a time? Actually, what you've got to find a way of doing is to find your method that's gonna work for you. Now, some people have a PA. Some people, it's their partner. Some people journal. I think for me, it's the important thing is to find the thing. And actually what I found for me is getting into that habit. Now, I don't necessarily write in it every day, but the questions I'm asking myself. And some of it is about the focus around from a work perspective, but actually it's as much about the grander picture as well. You know, kind of what's going on within the business life, but what's going outside business and, you know, personal and friends and relationships, etc. That balance is really, really key. Uh, a speaker friend of mine, I think you've probably heard him, Nigel Risner says, if it's not working in the boardroom, it's not working in the bedroom. It's not working in the bedroom, it's not working in the boardroom. And the concept around that is is that whatever is going on in your life at that moment in time, wherever, is gonna affect the rest of your life. So don't ignore it, just acknowledge it. And you know, I think one of the great things is, you know, you know, even just talking about meditation is these commonalities about kind of vulnerability, the Brené Brown sort of stuff. The conversation is now beginning to happen, definitely uh, at sea level you know, with open-minded coaches, etc. But actually, I'm, I'm now beginning to see that that permission of having the conversation about well-being uh, is now beginning to happen, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, no, I, I totally uh, agree with you there. What about in, in terms of your journaling? Just stick on that for a minute. Um, I, I journal as well. Maybe not every day, but but most days. What, what form does your journaling take then, Adam? Is that about um, either sort of an accountability piece about you know what are my priorities and always keeping a check in with yourself or is it about reflecting on things that are troubling you things that have gone wrong learning from those is it about just generally just reviewing the day i mean what, what form does your journaling take them so i'm not i'm not a big writer um i've got a very short attention span so for me, actually, what it is, it's just an acknowledgement of certain thoughts and feelings. Um, I, and I've done, an, I've, you know, with the speakers that I've seen through the mastermind groups that I've, that I've ran, I've, I've always seen a lot of content. And actually, for me, what's been important is, is that I have to acknowledge what's going on and kind of 
there's a there's a parable that I heard on a course that I did last year and it's called good thing bad thing who knows and the concept around it is is that whatever happens at that moment in time you can look at it and go is it a good thing is it a bad thing actually do you know what in the face of it we don't know so actually just kind of finding that level that grounds me is just acknowledging on a day-to-day basis so what's actually happened for me is is that my highs and my lows are a lot closer so I don't get really excited and over the moon you know when something massive has happened and also you know so before we started this you know uh, we are having a conversation I, I got some bad news yeah. this morning yeah. okay literally just before we were supposed yeah, to I'm start aware, yeah. so what, I, what I've now done is I'm now able to compartmentalise and just go through the process of just going okay right let me help me understand what's going through that now that, that has allowed me with how I run things and how I look at things is just to have that more level of consistency um, so by journaling what that does for me is it just allows me to just acknowledge um, and sometimes it's just the reminder I think you know when things are going really really well or we perceive things are going really well you know they just we just seem to be in that flow now for some people they're in that period for a short period of time others they're in it for a long long period of time but when we're in flow everything just seems to be working and actually it's when you start just kind of coming off from that circumstances around you which you you know you can't necessarily control you just sometimes need a bit of a prod or just a bit of a pullback and sometimes it's the question that's within the book and it's just that challenge to ensure that you're on that level of consistency so by answering the questions it's just like okay now I acknowledge this is what's going on this is how I feel this is what I've got to focus on um, you know one of the things that uh, that we've put within our business and I've, I'm just uh, now running it with other companies is I came across a system based out of America called EOS entrepreneurial operating system now a lot of the tools you and I especially but a lot of the listeners will have seen before but it's the congruence of bringing it all together and one of the things they talk about is actually what's really important is is that you have milestones what they call quarterly rocks so these are the five to seven things that you need to achieve within the next 90 days so really now got a focus um, but then what you're doing is, is you have a weekly meeting which they call a level 10 where you're reviewing the challenges and the, the issues that are coming up so what typically tends to happen within a business is that you have a board meeting every month or every six weeks and you get to kind of the final two or three days before and you either have or you haven't done it from an accountability perspective so by doing this meeting on a weekly basis you just getting things and they call it you know one of the books they've got as a result is called traction you just get shit done and you just start moving forward so you know within our team that's what we're doing on a weekly basis now that that because I'm out delivering a lot I might only have two or three things but I know if I don't go to that meeting my the rest of my team are going to hold me to account and go Adam you committed to doing this now that you've not done it we now need to discuss it as an issue so why have you not done it what's you know what's going on so that that, that accountability it it all dovetails into kind of you know the um, the, the journaling on a daily basis to then moving to kind of the weekly meetings uh, but then also into the quarterly meetings and then you know further on it's drilling down is it Adam? absolutely and I think um, as you're talking about that I, I help a couple of companies with appraisals and performance 
performance development, I prefer to call it rather than management. But having the quarterly meetings is fine, but it's important to have that check-in on a regular basis to say, okay, you've got your objectives for three months, but how's it going this week? What are you going to do to move it forwards, whatever? Because as you were saying, the problem is with whether it's appraisals, goals, whatever, you set them for three months. And if you don't check in on yourself or get people to check in on you, you get to the last week and you think, hang on a minute, I, I haven't progressed that because day-to-day life and work has uh, sort of consumed everything and it's, it becomes difficult so to do So just a that. couple of things. So, for, you know, that's really hard for me because my natural uh, habit or routine is I'm just kind of quite easy going. You know, nothing really bothers me. I just go with the flow. So actually getting into a level of, an, you know, of accountability and routine, it's tough. But that allows me to be achieving the things that I that I want to achieve. A couple of tools that are just worthwhile mentioning. So uh, Trello is a great thing. Um, majority of it is free. You can run it within Teams, but that, from an accountability perspective, I, th- I find that that helps. Um, and then the other thing is uh, an app called Habit Ball. So we you, you started the conversation talking about habits. So it's H A B I T B U L L. It's an app on the phone. Uh, and one of the things is is that you just set up the small you set up habits. One of the things, and you know, was there was research in the book. Uh, one of the things that came out is that a lot of the times people set the target too high. So people go, "I want to run a marathon, twenty six point two miles." I think that's right. Um, and actually, what you should do is you say, "Say right, okay, set the bar as low as you possibly can." so that by achieving it you're getting into the momentum so let's say for example you want to do uh, press-ups or sit-ups if the goal is to do a minimum of one per day then you know and the app is kind of gamification but you tick it to go I've done one press-up or one sit-up now the chances are just you've started to do one so you might do you know 5, 10, 15, 20, but you're getting into the habit and the routine. Uh, it kind of stems from uh, the 20 mile march uh, concept uh, of uh, one of the explorers as they were going to kind of go into the North Pole of, you know, let's make sure that we do 20 miles every single day. So by doing 20 miles every day, we know exactly when to get to. Uh, some days would take a short period of time, some days would take a long period, but we're doing, we know what we've got to do on a day-to-day basis. So you just keep the cycle going. And I think that's that's the biggest thing that I think that people have got to find is how and what is it that you're going to do that's going to make you have the cycle on a daily or weekly basis. And it's not setting yourself up to fail, is it, no. Adam? And I'm sure you've had this experience as well in your work, but I've worked with some companies' leaders where they set themselves, this is my own view, um, goals that are just, it's good to have stretch goals, but these are like, I'll say to them, explain how you're going to achieve that and they haven't got a story and I think do any of you believe it so I think setting yourself up with goals targets whatever that you know deep down are are beyond you Mm -hmm. almost sets yourself up to to fail really and I just wanted to share something really interesting I don't know if you've heard of this before have you ever heard of the concept of an X spot no so um, I think this originally came from uh, psychologist Sean Acor but um, what it is with them because you were talking about marathons when it when you when you run a marathon which i haven't have you run a marathon no no, no. <laughs> so neither of us have run it but allegedly when you get towards the the lap when you're within the last mile you get an adrenaline surge because you are starting to see the end yeah and this has been applied in life and business in that if you can 
you were, you were talking about breaking things down as well, Adam. Let's say for sales teams, give them, break down certain targets or whatever so they can hit them, tick them off. So you get that momentum. And when they're actually moving towards something that is nearer, there's more of a, a adrenaline, there's more motivation to reach that finishing line, tick it off and then, then move forward. So yeah, it, it based on the idea of the marathon, but then just breaking things down. And so, because I think as human beings, we like to accomplish things. Absolutely. So if all you're on is, you know, for a year, if you're trying to move to a target and all you've got is to target ahead of you for a year, it's hard to keep motivated. But if you've broken that down, like you are saying, Adam, and you can tick things off and you've achieved, then, then it's, all, it's all good to go. Well, that's it. We want to achieve things. We want the, the chemical release. Uh, we want the gratification. We want the pats on the back. You know, we want to be loved. And that's it. It's just breaking it down into those small achievable things. Because otherwise, if it's too far in the distance, it's like, well, you know, unless, you've, unless you're of the kind of the 1% people, it's just like, oh, you know, it then becomes draining. And you, you need to find that way of, of, of recuperating that energy so that you can go again and go again and keep going. Yeah, no, brilliant. Okay, so a question that you'd started to touch on before, actually, a question I had for you, was we were talking about what keeps you strong and you've shared some ideas on that. What about when you, of your very varied career, Adam, what about when you've hit challenges or problems uh, maybe deep problems how, how do you get yourself through the troughs as well as keeping yourself on, on a sort of higher level what, what, how do you do with that so yeah it's, I think that's a I think that's a challenge for all of us um, I've noticed over the years that I've got the time periods that I spend in particular areas become less so there's a, a speaker called Paul McGee uh, who talks about uh, hippo time, who talks about, it's almost kind of the grief stage that you go through is a situation happens uh, and then you kind of go into a, a period of kind of wallowing in self, self-pity. self You know, why me? Why has this happened? Why now? Um, and I think a lot of the times is when one thing happens, you, you, you can be quite resilient, but actually when you have multiple different things going on at any one time, it's how do you have the energy to kind of work through that as i say i've noticed over the years that the times that i spend in those in those areas have decreased um and that's probably because i've got awareness of the differing stages uh i've got awareness of how i am feeling internally probably more importantly how i'm affecting other people you know the energy and how i'm showing up with other people uh i think the meditation definitely helps because you know you're setting the intention, you're allowing yourself to kind of to settle, um, and then I suppose as any as I would be saying to my uh, clients, uh, actually talking through it, um, and there's different people that I have to talk through with differing things, um, because actually you know when you start talking through with something, is you're actually processing it in your in your mind. Um, one of the things I often and I do this within the groups the mastermind groups that I run is whatever the challenges that you've got is to create as a question so how do I or how do we because if you have a question then actually then you can create or find what the answer is and, and often what I find you know with me but with everybody else is that we're so close to the situation we're so emotionally involved that actually what we need to do is we need to deep, you know need to find a way of taking a step out getting differing views and differing opinions 
and actually when you start talking through with people whether they be a coach or whether they be anybody else is actually you realize what you thought it was is not as bad as it what it was or actually you start coming up with answers or solutions that allows you to then then move on um, I think sometimes the challenge is is that it's making sure that we speak to the right people you know friends want to help but sometimes they you know they're, they're helping without empathy and I think sometimes that can be dangerous so actually when you've got people that you can that you can trust that you can call upon that are, that are going to challenge and be supportive without judgment I think is, is quite key you know I'm fortunate that I've got a lot of people that, are, that, that I've got around me um, and I think the other thing is is it's just having the awareness it's just acknowledging and just going okay do you know what tomorrow's another day let's just push through um, you know and I don't know I find as frustrating as I find my kids you know and, the, and the, what I found interesting is as a, as a coach I've worked on a lot of aspects of my life uh, and I'm really pleased and I'm really happy with a lot of things but the biggest challenge challenges that I've had are actually been you know with those closest to me especially my two kids because I want so much for them but actually I have to monitor my responses as to what they're doing and I'm finding that I'm learning so much more from them about myself than I am from anything else. God yeah I, I so relate to you there I've got I've mentioned to a few people over the last year my your daughter's six and ten aren't they yeah he said yeah my daughter's 21 now but um, she's the she's the greatest joy in my life, but she's my biggest coaching sort of uh, most demanding coaching <laughs> role, I guess. Um, but but you, you touched on a couple of things that I, again I really relate to there, Adam. Um, one is that you've heard me speak about my concept, think, see, do, and what you were talking about there was that um, that stopping again, bringing other people in to challenge your thinking so that you see things differently because often we're seeing things in a particular way and as you were saying then if we've got our heads down doing stuff we don't have that we don't find that time to say hang on a minute and maybe maybe i'm looking at this in the wrong way and and challenging that through our thinking and and also that that piece about awareness because i know you'd agree with this adam i think a lot of us and a lot of leaders can be too unconscious in the way that they're going about their role because it is almost on autopilot. It's mm -hmm. a long list of tasks, it's things to do. But moving to a place of awareness, a more conscious place, so that you can actually make a bigger difference. And you were talking right at the beginning of the podcast, weren't you, about creating that space for, to do that. So I really relate to what you said there. I think um, in terms of how we, you and I, and how leaders listening to this can actually deal with some of the challenges that hit them, which they will, uh, you know that that's for sure it, it is about not just pushing through some sometimes it is about pushing through but but all the time it is about hang on a minute because the way I'm pushing through may not be the right way so let me just pick up on that so I, I meet a lot of people and I always say to them you know especially if I'm networking like I will be this evening uh, who's challenging you because I think as leaders is that we're challenging our people all the time. You know, that's one of the roles of a, of a leader. But actually, as leaders ourselves, we need to be challenged. And it might, it might be from a multiple of differing places. 
formally or informally, whether you want to call it mentor, guide, coach, Sherpa. I mean, there's a, there's a million different ways of in, interpreting it. But actually, who's challenging you? And I think the if you look at professional sports people is that they might have coaches for various different aspects. Um, sometimes you need differing people as a leader for differing things. Like, we, you know, you and I know each other from the PSA. You've been coaching a number of people that are successful leaders in able to do public speaking. They might want a personal trainer who is a coach to help them with their health and fitness. Um, so I, I think as leaders, we need to find a way of understanding who and where is the challenge come from. It really doesn't make much difference to me where it comes from or who it's with. But actually, there sometimes needs to be a case of this person's making me feel a bit uncomfortable. Because if you're not getting the challenge or it's a little bit too comfortable, then it's just a, a friendship. And you need people to be asking you questions where you just kind of, you wriggle in your seat or you just turn around and go, I wish you hadn't have asked me that. And, and I think there's definitely a cultural thing, um, you know, here within the UK uh, where putting ourselves in that position of being vulnerable, exposing ourselves, being a little bit honest. Um, we're not necessarily embedded comfortable with that, but actually if you look at all of the successful leaders that are, is that that's where the growth comes from. You know, the growth comes from being on the edge of our comfort zone. You mentioned that again right at the beginning of the podcast. And yeah. it is, I guess, it, again, it's um, not about pushing yourself into an anxiety zone or a high stress zone, but definitely pushing yourself and, and often you won't be able to do that on your own will you so um yeah and i know you've you've asked me some challenging questions when we've had a chat in the past so i know you're very well capable of doing that okay just wanted to turn to something else then in terms of i i think that as, as individuals as leaders as business people um a sense of who we are and particularly driven by our values is is very critical uh, what about yourself adam what kind of values are important He's got them framed up here in a picture. Uh -huh. So, um, <laughs> so values, values for me are really, really important, uh, and they've kind of changed and adapted very slightly over a period of time. But I did a big piece of work uh, two years ago with another coach friend of mine. We spent two days together, uh, and these were the six that I came up with: authentic, intuitive, inquisitive, vulnerable, empathy, and heart. So I kind of, I, I have it framed, but also, you know, it's kind of on my screensaver on my phone. Yeah. Uh, that, those have been really, really important for me, both from a conscious perspective and also a subconscious perspective. Um, you know, that's framed in my office, it's on my phone, so I'm seeing it every day. So the message is dropping in. Um, but also what I tend to do is, is that if I'm looking at a situation, so when we were speaking earlier about you know, when you're faced with situations that are a little bit uncertain or, you know, you've got this stress or there's the anxiety, is I just look at them and I just say, okay, what's true to me? You know, and, and people talk about, well, I don't take work on because of my values. And actually for me, that is true. Um, there are certain situations and there's certain people that I just won't and I can't work with because there's just not the, the congruence and there's not the adherence to what fit, fits and feels right for me. Um, and actually, I, I kind of use those as my guiding principles for my gut, my gut instinct. You know, I, I, I believe um, that I have uh, 
high integrity and I've got a really strong sense of emotional intelligence and awareness and I pick up from people very very quickly it's you know it's one of the reasons why I ended up becoming inadvertently a coach because I had all the core habits um, but what it does do is it just allows me to be working with the right people um, and that really really is quite important we've also uh, done an exercise with the whole business uh, and actually we've done uh, an exercise with the family as well so values are for me are really really key so have you got a set of family values for example we so we're just in the process of reviewing them you know okay. we're, we're uh, the family's going through a bit of a change at the moment with where and what we might be doing um so we're just in the process of reviewing them uh so making sure that we can work together it's it's a little bit i wouldn't say it's impossible but um it's tougher to do with a younger with the six-year-old yeah yeah um but there's a there's an interesting speaker on the circuit a guy called casper craven um i'd urge listeners to kind of uh, search him out they did something similar with the family and uh they went on a around the world boat trip. yeah i saw him speak at psa yes. conference yep. yeah which when you hear his story and you hear what how the values were really important it just shows you that what actually what it does do is it, it, it builds the foundation. Um, I think from a company perspective, the amount of times I've been in and, and they are either on the website or you know they're hanging up um, as a coach or as a non-exec. Often one of the things I, I will do, uh, and I, I built a bit of a reputation for being a bit of a stickler with this, is I'll challenge people quite hard within the boardroom. And I'll say, okay, tell me how and what you're doing in line with that value. So I'll call people out on it because a lot of times they've been done or created for the wrong reasons. Um, so I think it's really, really important that when you do have values is that you're being challenged on them. You know, whether that be by your coach or whether that be by somebody else is that, are you really living and breathing them? Because if you're not, that's fine. Either get back and understand the reason why you said they were like that in the first place or pick some other ones. You know, don't just pick them because you feel that you have to. Um, and the other thing is that, uh, and I recommend this to, to all clients, is those, those values are my values, but my interpretation of what the word authentic means may well be different to yours. Yeah, so yeah. What, I, what I encourage within organizations is, is that find a big wall, you have a photo of each employee with the name, and then you have each person's interpretation of what the values are. So that when you have a disagreement or something's not quite right is I could come up to you and say, Tony, there's something I need to discuss with you. It might be a little bit difficult, but I'm using the values of the organization. I want to talk about um, being vulnerable. Now, you, your interpretation or your definition of vulnerable is this. So I'm now being vulnerable and I'm now, I want to explain it. So it gives you that, first and foremost, an understanding of, of you, know, you know, the fellow you know, peer or employee within the organization. But then it means that you can have a far deeper conversation of significant value and you can get to a resolution fairly quickly. And, and almost, because you're talking about the emotion to start with, you're then not having to bring the emotion of, you know, why me, you know, uh, and kind of the anger or, or any negative uh, energy. And I just find it's been a fantastic thing that people have been using. Yeah, no, I, again, I really like that because I think um, my experience as well that sometimes company values can be an academic exercise. You just feel, feel we need to do it, put them on the website, whatever. Uh, in fact, I've challenged, um, I remember doing one uh, speech at a conference and asked 
all of the employees to tell me one of the values of the company nobody could tell me one because they were just put to one side so as you said living and breathing it challenging people on it i think is is a superb thing to do and a good lesson for us all i think that if we're setting values for ourselves then how do we keep them alive how, mm-hmm. how do we keep them as part of our conscious and unconscious like that bit adam uh, sort of behavior just wanted to delve into one of those then yeah. just out of interest what does in you said that expressing the words in a way that's meaningful for you yep. what does the word intuitive mean for you then well i'll flip that back to you what does it mean for you <laughs> <laughs> yeah well intuition for me that would be relying sometimes what i do is rely on what i would like to call my deeper inner wisdom mm-hmm. so you know without getting into if i've got something that's challenging me without getting into sort of list of two pros and cons and all that kind of thing so what 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 is my deeper inner wisdom telling me here mm-hmm. um because often there is if you tap into that and trust that i think that for me but how about you then what so quite similar so i, I suppose i call it the gut instinct or the in- yeah. intuitiveness um i suppose it's the entrepreneur within me is that i, I see a lot of opportunities uh, I connect a lot of people. That's just kind of who I am, and, and I just I see things. Um, but actually, what for me, what's important is is that I'm using the word uh, intuitive. Is I have to then narrow it down and go, okay, I see that. You know, I kind of the way I kind of picture it is if you've ever seen the Matrix when they're kind of moving the kind of you know the days before touchscreen. Some that's sometimes how my brain is working is is that you and I are having a conversation and all of a sudden I go oh I need to introduce Tony to this person because actually there's a synergy here and my brain has gone three four five a thousand times into a different area because <laughs> I, I see things but sometimes that's not the right thing to do. So actually what I have to do is, okay, acknowledge what I've seen and what I've thought, okay, intuitively, is now this the right thing to do? A, for the individual, B, B for me. So that's, it's about trusting and working on that and, and realizing that actually that's one of my core, my core strengths and my core va- my values is that that's what makes me who I am. That, in, that strong uh, visionary aspect, but also that core I- intuitiveness and being able to go, actually, do you know what? It's a great idea, but it's not for now. You know, I suffered for many, many years uh, with golden penny syndrome of kind of going, oh, something, yeah. something yeah, yeah, shiny. Yeah. Now I'm so much better at kind of processing and analyzing quicker and go, actually, do you know what? It's a great opportunity. But not now. But not now. Yeah. Um, can I suggest that I'll put you in touch with, with such, a, you know, such and such. So that's allowed me to become a lot more stringent with my time yep um so that i can say it's either a no or it's a not not now uh, and you know i've become and this kind of goes all the way back to kind of the habits i've been really kind of quite re- restrictive um with saying right i only deliver now uh, out to clients on a tuesday wednesday thursday because i need the restorative time to ensure that a that i can i, I can't deliver five days because when i'm delivering you know, I'm I'm high. A lot of the times, I'm high pace or very slow pace because I need to create the environment. But it takes a lot of energy, you know, physically and mentally. You know, when I'm running a day session, I come out of it and I'm absolutely exhausted because I'm absolutely observing the environment, the people, the energy, the conversation, what's being said, what's not being said. Um, so 
I need to ensure that I have that restorative care. So, you know, getting to the stage now where if somebody goes, I want you to do this, I go, I can't do it. Unless there's a, there's a real reason that is going to demand that I'm going to do that. It's almost, you're almost describing your use of intuition as an antidote to procrastination, almost the flip side of it, isn't yeah. it? It's not getting stuck into endless battle internally about whether to do something, what to do. It's sort of trusting, as you said, your gut instinct, well, trusting. Yeah, I, I, and I remember years ago, and I can't remember who told me, you know, work to your strengths, manage your weaknesses. You know, one of the exercises that I do, and I'm sure you've seen before, I call it the A game, quadrant box, Top two, what do you love doing? What do you what you're really good at? Bottom two boxes, what do you hate doing? What do you what are you not good at? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and working to your A game is you know picking the things and working on the things that you love doing and you're really good at, and either delegating or finding or managing a way of doing things that you hate doing and you're not good at. You know, when I started on my own ten years ago, I said I don't want to do accounts. So even, be, even before I'd raised the first invoice, the first thing I did was, I got somebody in that was gonna manage that as a, that process for me. Um, you know, I think sometimes is that we do things that we shouldn't do, because actually they become draining. Work on the things that you love doing. Because when you do that, you're adding the most amount of value to those the people that you're doing stuff for, but actually, more importantly, you're doing that for yourself. Um, so a lot of people talk about lists, you know, probably one of the best things to do is what's the not to do lists so you then go okay I've got to find a way and I might not do it straight away but I've got to find a way of delegating or managing out these processes or systems let somebody else deal with it and actually what you find is they absolutely love doing that I was just going to say that. I think that leaders don't realise sometimes they're in a privileged position to choose more of the things that they love or they're good at. And I think leaders feel a bit uncomfortable sometimes delegating something out that maybe they've got a bit bored of, they don't enjoy, but what they don't appreciate. And I've had a, a classic example of this recently, that somebody else will actually find this an increase in their responsibility, something interesting, because it's new to them. Yeah, absolutely. So I think leaders need to get out of this sort of guilt feeling about oh, but it's a you know it's a boring task or whatever because maybe boring because they've done it for a long time but for somebody else it's a step up it's something different so yeah super that you picked up on that okay i'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you one final question and then we'll, we'll just have a little bit of time just seeing what you're up to at the minute adam um people such a, they are such an important I, what i see in you i mean with your values like empathy and heart people you're such a people but you strike me as a real people person adam but if you were to give a couple of pieces of advice to anyone listening to the podcast on how to get the best out of relationships whether that's employees in networks or whatever what couple of pieces of advice do you think are most important in terms of getting the best out of relationships so i think from a leader's perspective i think it's really important to we make so many assumptions. And I think actually one of the things that we need to do is we need to be asking more questions. So, you know, for the listeners, I'd have a look at something like the Gallup 12, uh, which is an engagement survey, but there's a number of questions in there which are just about sparking conversations. Um, it depends what sort of leader you are. You know, some people are quite, you know, dictatorial and actually that, you know, they lead with an iron fist. Some people want to be, you know, uh, autocratic or they want to be somebody 
that wants to work and manage with people and want to get the best out of them. And actually the best thing to do is just to, to be asking questions. So, you know, uh, and this is one of the things that have come, has come out of the check-in journal is kind of the, the language and the terminology. So, you know, I might meet you at the coffee machine and say, so Tony, what's the one thing you're working on today? Help me understand. Because if I know what you're doing, A, I'm showing interest, but B, actually, I might be able to give you some input and advice or guidance that is going to help you achieve that. Um, people, you know, the amount of times that you sometimes just walk into a, a, an office or an environment, and there's just no energy. And there's no energy because people aren't talking. Uh, and actually having conversations and communicating is, is a really, really important thing. You know, stand-up meetings, um, you know, getting away from using email. I mean, you know, these days now there's kind of, uh, you know, Slack and Trello. I mean, there's so many differing tools. Um, I think sometimes it's almost a case of just going, okay, um, how can we improve things? So one of the things I recommend to people is when you hire somebody new, there's two things here that I'll, that I'll mention that I think are important. Especially if it's a senior position, I recommend using something that I call three by three by three. So the individual would have three interviews in three different locations with three different people. Okay, so you create a scoring matrix. These are the top 10 things that we're looking for. Um, by having three interviews, by the time you've got around to the third interview, they've just allowed themselves to kind of relax. The third interview is probably going to be in somewhere a little bit more social. It might be in a, a cafe or in a pub or anything. They think they've got the role by this point. And at this point, you've probably got somebody that's more senior or maybe somebody external that can give you a different view. Um, and you just start getting to know them on a differing, differing level. You get to know the person. I think these days, people have become really good at professionally interviewing. You know, I know that you're, one of your previous uh, podcast interviews was with Simon. You know, there's coaches out there, but you know, we're so long into the tooth now is that we've, we've created a system and a process I can give you the information, but actually I need to get to understand you as an individual. The second thing I, I recommend is, and say this within the interview process, is, is that you give people the option at the end of the first day, at the end of the first week, and the end of the first month, that they have a no holds barred, if it's not for them, they can walk away. So as the MD or the leader of the business, I would turn around to you on the first day and go, so Tony, how was your first day? Do you wanna, do you wanna call it quits? Okay, so I'm giving you the opportunity to walk away. Um, that means that if it's not right, you know, and we'll pay you, and you know, depending on the organisation, I might pay you for three months or whatever. But the point is, is that if you're not the right person for the role and it doesn't sit comfortably, I would rather get you out in the first month than have you become, you know, uh, a mood hoover. Um, you know, I hate the yank term, but you know, you, you know what I mean. If uh, of sucking energy kind of out out the business. What I always recommend as well is that at the end of that month, the leader takes the individual out and says, right, okay, look, you've been in the business for a month. You've come and looked at this business and you're seeing things from a completely different perspective. And I suffer from the curse of knowledge because I've been within this business for a long period of time. So I now need you to give me some feedback. Tell me the things that we should start doing, stop doing and continue doing. And don't hold back because I want your complete and utter honesty viewpoint and sometimes it's those real small golden nuggets that somebody goes, well, why are you doing, I don't understand why you're doing that. And you go, plainfully obvious. But because we're so narrow in our, in our view, because we're so insular within it, 
we need those opportunities to challenge our mindset and challenge our thought processes both as individuals as teams but also as an organization because that's where the marginal gains will come from they're already there within the business it's just that we're not asking questions and when you give people and you create an environment where people are happy to just hold the hand up and it's not just the ideas board where somebody's going to get it's that's the, now you create the culture where people are just they're willing to go hey tony um just i thought why would you know okay that's a great idea let's find a way of capturing it those are the things for me that then means that people then become engaged and that's why when you look at some companies they're moving at a very very high fast pace within industry or sector and they're outperforming the competition because they've got the environment they've got the culture they've got the people that want to do and be so much more than they're currently being yeah and I, again that thing about culture there i really like that uh, adam that idea of getting people to feedback early on because it does a couple of things doesn't it as you said it gets a fresh perspective on things but it also says to them we are a culture that listens mm -hmm. and we're interested in your opinions i'll just um, give you one quick quick yeah, story yeah. so uh the mastermind groups that i run the members host on rotation so we were at a, a member oh, probably about a year ago and one of the things i always recommend is let's have a site tour and then you can tell us about the business and we can do a, a deep dive so this was an IFI, IFA firm and the meeting rooms where the clients were going to uh, were absolutely plush, you know, really, really nice, certain caliber of individuals. You go upstairs and the offices of where the staff were, were completely different. So the observation was, why is it that you're treating your clients like royalty and the staff are kind of in the servants quarters? Now. They hadn't seen that, but there were, because there was the trust and the relationship because of the, of the group, the group gave the feedback. Within three months, you know, liquor paint, you know, new paint, new furniture, you know, it looked as good as downstairs. The productivity just went through the roof because they were made, you know, they were made to feel as good. And it, it wasn't done intentionally. It's just sometimes somebody else sees a completely different perspective and they just go, Wow. Yeah, no, I, 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 again, it reminds me of, I think it was Richard Branson who said that he puts his employees first rather than customers first. Mm -hmm. And there's something in that, isn't there? I think that, because um, ultimately your customer service will be delivered by your employees. So it's about how you treat them as well. Hey, Adam, it's been, uh, I, I knew we got off at tangents. That's been great. That's perfect. And uh, it's been fascinating for me to listen to your insights today. And I, I know that, leaders listening to the podcast will get an enormous amount from it before we wrap up though just um how how old is your uh, checking journal by the way how so checking journal is two years old now okay yeah uh but it's one of those things that it's built as a an annual thing so the best place to start was yesterday uh and it's one of those things that people just pick up they start whenever and as in when they just carry on they just buy another one uh, it's worked really, really well for individuals. Um, there's been certain circumstances where two people have just held themselves to accountable and they've now got a structure and a format, uh, but it's also being used within, within organizations, teams, uh, and throughout the whole organizations. And actually what's begin, began to happen is it, it's created a common language. 
Uh, and that's for me that's the thing that's been really exciting going in and that water cooler moment going what, what's the one thing you're working on today yeah, it, yeah. and seeing the productivity and the consistency uh, and the efficiencies moving forward has been brilliant so if people wanted to find out more about the check-in journal it was www.checkinjournal.com that's easy enough so that's brilliant if people want to find out about that because I know that uh, uh, people are often on this quest to find the perfect tool to help them structure their, their thoughts and their activities so that would be great what about any, anything else that you're up to at the minute Adam that's yeah, so worth I'm, sharing I'm just moving to my, my background is within the tech space and uh, I've decided to start working and focusing on doing a lot more stuff online so online coaching online mastermind groups online non-exec sort of work um, specifically looking at working with uh, businesses that are kind of virtual or remote so a couple of phrases that people will start to hear if they've not already heard kind of co-located so this is where businesses have got multiple locations across the globe um, and then there's what they call distributed businesses so these are businesses that have no physical presence yeah, yeah. or office at all um, and actually my the new uh, phrase or business name around this is all about presence so taking some of the challenges or some of the perceived opportunities around working from a remotely or from a distance uh, communication um, getting the clarity connectivity uh, and just making sure that businesses and teams that are online are working and pushing moving forward yeah no superb yeah that's um there's, there's quite it sounds like there's quite a big shift in your own business going on there yeah. so yeah that's brilliant well adam thank you hugely for um sparing some time today and i know you're a really busy person so thank you for sparing the time to be on the podcast and uh, it's been I say I've enjoyed it hugely I'm sure that people listening to it will get a number of ideas because here's the thing at the end of the day Adam isn't it if if you and I just through this podcast can shift one leader's behaviour in a different way then, then it's been worthwhile time yeah I think sometimes it's we know all of this stuff but sometimes it's remembering what you know because it's hit you at that moment in time and often you know when I'm hearing speakers or I'm listening to audios like this is that you know it, it's just, I needed to hear that at this moment in time because actually this thing that I'm working on or this relationship just re-sparks, right, I now need to do go and do that. Yeah, wise words. Yeah, thank you very much, Adam. Thank you. If you want to explore your leadership mindset in more detail, why not complete our free leadership diagnostic at thetonybrooks.com and subscribe to this podcast to join us for future podcasts.